Hi, I'm your host, Brittany Spence, and this is In the Face of Illness. We are a podcast committed to cultivating a greater understanding of the many resources available for families facing childhood illness, because we believe this is a vital topic of conversation, not only for families in the throes of the fight, but for everyone. Ultimately, we are here to offer hope in the face of illness. Today, we are going to be talking about sibling support. Uh, We sent out some questions and uh, talked to different people, siblings, about support that they did receive or support that they wish they had received. Um, I think that often siblings can be forgotten when they're, when the parents have a sick child. Obviously, in no way are we faulting the parents for this, but so much can be given to the sick child that sometimes the siblings can um, not have all the support that they need. And here at the Four Spence Fund, we really want to make sure that the entire family is taken care of, that everyone in the family is remembered and thought of. And if one person is struggling in the family, then we all know that everyone is struggling. We jokingly say, you know, if mama's struggling, then everyone's struggling. But we also know that if a a mom or a dad sees one of their children struggling, then they're going to struggle too. It's so hard to see a a sick child, but then in turn, as we've said, the whole family can be affected through that. And so uh, today we've brought on our dear friend, Taylor McNatt. Taylor worked for the Four Spence Fund for years and is still a valuable volunteer and um, helper with the fund. And Taylor knows firsthand um, what it's like to be a sibling uh, of a chronically ill sister. And so we've brought Taylor in. And much like our podcast that we did with Amanda McCollum on how to love and support others uh, that came out in Valentine's, we are doing this podcast uh, very similar. We asked for other opinions and sent out questions to siblings. So we've brought Taylor in for her words and her advice. And then we also asked others as well for their advice. And so we're just going to kind of jump on in. Some of these, we also just want to preface it a little bit. Some of these might be tough. They might be tough to hear because it is not easy to be the sibling of a sick brother or sister. And and so we want to make sure that we are not just glossing over and making it look pretty and nice and, and tying it up with a bow because that's not how the world works. And so some of these may be a little tough too, but we hope that if you are someone listening that has a sick child, a sick grandchild, a sick cousin, nephew, whatever, that you can learn and glean some things that will help you support the siblings as well. So, Taylor, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and share a little bit of my story. Uh, My sister has POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. It's a form of dysautonomia, so she passes out when she stands up, along with so many other issues. Um, And she was probably diagnosed with that when I was around... 14, 15. So I was in middle, late middle school, early high school. So I definitely think that my experience was different than my siblings because I was older and I knew a little more and um, 
I just had a different relationship with um, my parents at the time because I wanted to know more and I wanted to be at the hospital with them, whereas my siblings didn't want to go there and they didn't really want to know information. And that was actually a struggle for me because I was like, why don't you want to know what's going on? Why don't you want to visit her? You're making her upset. And looking back, I feel bad for like even pressuring them because they didn't want that was harder for them. Mm -hmm. And that would have made it harder to cope. So I apologize for making you all feel bad. <laughs> Hindsight 2020. Hindsight 2020. And so just let's talk about those ages at the time. So mm -hmm. you were around 14, 15. Yeah. Your sister who uh, has pots mm -hmm. was probably 11, 12, 12 13. 13. Yeah. Okay. And then your other sister would have been like 9, 10, 10 11. 8-ish. Yeah. 7, 8-ish. Okay. Really sure. Yeah. So definitely there. a huge age difference there from... 14 down to eight. Right. Um, and for everyone that's listening to also know, I mean, this is a, a, a lifetime struggle. This is a, yeah, a this, constant. So this was not a go into the hospital, fix it, come home. This is a, right. a lifetime struggle. And she didn't have it her whole life. So she was happy go lucky kid in dance recitals and at school and then there was a shift and, you know, she hasn't really been the same since, but she's still this great, smart kid who just wants to help her community and be there for other people. So, yeah, she's trying to do that as best as she can. Yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing. Um, and I obviously think so highly of you and your family and um, I've gotten to know y'all and and uh, y'all are an amazing family amazing I mean four sisters um, little women in there <laughs> your your sweet daddy oh yes with all of those women um, okay so let's let's talk about you know some of these kind of questions so we're going to let mm -hmm. Taylor answer some and then we'll also talk a little bit about what some others have said as well so let's start with just how did others show you love and support while your sibling was sick? I would definitely say a tangible physical support was, it's probably the easiest thing you can do is, can I drop off a meal? Because mm -hmm. if my mom wasn't at the hospital, she wasn't at the hospital all the time. It was just prolonged periods. She would be there for certain things, um, infections she would get, uh, getting a J-tube, et cetera. But everyone was always so great about making sure we had a meal. Because my dad was working. He tried to take off as much as he could, but... He's a pilot, so he has to fly planes and deliver packages. And then if my sisters had dance, they would have friends pick them up and take them where they need to be. And eventually, once I started driving, I tried to help out with that. Um, and then my f sister's friends would drop off care packages to her in the hospital, which I know made her smile. Mm -hmm. Coloring books, blankets, anything like that. And my mom's friends were the sweetest. If my dad wasn't able to be there... They would text her and ask her if she needs a meal or if she just needs somebody to sit with. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like she was really never alone there. And I would go up there as much as I could. And some other things. So meals, when we asked some other people as well, mm -hmm. they also talked about the meals. And then I thought these were some great just um, tangible. So uh, one person said that a, a friend of her mom's took her to get her nails painted um, and you know, just spent some one-on-one -on -one time with her. And she said it was during especially a big surgery when she knew that she 
was worried about what was happening. And that meant so much to her. And then she said an, another one was when um, she had a soccer game and her family couldn't be there to watch. And so one of her friends parents stayed and watched and um, cheered for her. And that meant so much to her as well. Um, Another person we talked to talked about that really, it was hard for friends her age Mm -hmm. to really understand. We all know teenagers. Yes. God love them. Um, But they tend to focus a lot on themselves. Right. And it's hard for them to externally see that others are hurting or others are struggling. And so um, one of the, the siblings we talked to said that really her friends didn't understand. And it was hard for her friends to really grasp that. And so it was a lot of her parents' friends. Did you find that too? Yes. I mean, it was a hard diagnosis to really understand in the first place. It's hard for me to explain. And it's not one where she's at the hospital all the time. Mm-hmm. So people are like, oh, she's back at home or... You know, so I would actually say my siblings said that sometimes they just wouldn't necessarily tell their friends about it mm-hmm. because it was easier than trying to explain mm-hmm. what was going on. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. But people just want to do what they can to help. And sometimes they don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just thinking through. So when Forrest was sick, we didn't have any other children. But then when Maggie became sick... We had our two boys at home. And so I'll never forget that, you know, obviously the meals. We had some almost care little bags as well dropped off for the boys at home. Things for them to do. Things, activities for them. um, You know, coloring books or or things like that. Another thing I will never forget, um, this actually happened when uh, I had a major surgery. But the school... Uh, that my kids went to, took turns making their lunches. And so, and they made them so much more fun than my lunches. Like they were in the shape of certain uh, Star Wars troopers or um, the Millennium Falcon or whatever. And so my kids, my boys really thought that was amazing. Um, they felt and the love so, from the school yeah, as well. Yeah, they and felt like the they love understood. from the school and, and they, you know, understood that that was a hard thing. And so... Simple things like that of, you know, making their lunches, taking them for a sweet treat, you know, getting the nails done or taking them to and from sports. Or we talked about this even with Amanda when we were talking about show, you know, showing love and support. You know, if you're already taking your son or daughter to a game or a practice, it's not that hard to pick up the other sibling to make sure that they can go. Absolutely. I feel like there was definitely times that happened. Um, But my dad definitely tried to, one of my parents tried to go wherever the other siblings were and the other would stay at home. Mm -hmm. So you would just lose attention from maybe one of them at a time. Mm -hmm. And the other would try to like really go all in, really go all in with the, yeah. 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 But at the same time, I mean, that's so much. I mean, that means that if your mom was home with your sister, then your dad had three. I mean, he still had three more that had to obviously different activities and different things. Um, So balancing that as well. Uh, I know just in our our own family that we have three that are going three different ways, different sports, different activities. And so a lot of times not even David and I can do it. And we don't have, you know, another one at home that needs, you know, care kind of around the clock. So it's really important that 
we depend on others, that we Absolutely. ask others to help as well. Um, let's talk a little bit. Is there any other physical or tangible support that you think can be done? We talked about meals. We talked about special treats, mm-hmm. activities, taking, you know, picking up the siblings and going and doing something fun. I know for little ones even, like taking them to Chick-fil-A and letting them play right. in the playground. Yeah. Taking them to playgrounds, taking them to the zoo when you're taking your family, taking them to the botanic gardens, any of those Absolutely. kind of things. Um, you could also just stay at their house if you drop them off and help them with their homework mm-hmm. or try to get their um, Great one, yeah. chores done for the day. Yeah. There's so many things you could do. Yeah. Yeah. Homework's a great one. Or even have that sibling come home with you after school. And then while they're at your house, you provide the snack, you work on the homework with them, especially if you have a kid that's the same age. Right. Same grade. You know, it wouldn't be if you're already working on math with one of them, slip that other one in, you know, and help out with that as well. That's a great idea. And I think about even older ones, teenagers, Mm -hmm. you know. Sports are big, um, engaging with them. Maybe it's a dance and, and you know, the sibling has a dance coming up and the parents haven't had, you know, they're in the hospital and so they haven't had time to go dress shopping or do any of those things. So maybe picking her up and taking her to look for dresses or, um, you know, being there that day when she's getting her hair or her makeup or, but just kind of engaging, doing something. Right, right. right. Not just dropping off, which those are great, but also physically being there and showing the support that way. We would definitely have people that would pick up from youth group because we were very into like church youth group, which Mm -hmm. was great at the time for the support. And my siblings were around the same age as other siblings. So they would go to church with them and then to lunch maybe and then go to um, youth group that night. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, so y'all even found a support system within the church. Oh, yes. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely where mine came from, is I was really into youth group. And so those people are just always there for you. And my best friend was there, and her family was always so helpful because one of them, one of her sisters was the same age as one of my sisters. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of all would hang out all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was just nice to be prayed for, and but sometimes you don't want to talk about it, and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Normalized. Just even normalized. just normal, everyday conversations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about emotional support. Okay. Um, this is a big one, I feel like. Um, and something that, to be honest, and, and I'm going to say it because it's something that we got again and again and again. This was a real struggle for siblings when they rode in. They felt like it was a, a big struggle in the way that um, all of the siblings said they felt isolated. They felt kind of alone. They felt like misunderstood, especially in regards to the fact that, as we talked about earlier, other kids... Empathy is a very hard thing. It's a hard thing for adults to grasp. Absolutely. But kids, especially, if they've not gone through something that's tough or hard, or it's hard for them to see outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so emotional support, I think, is a big struggle. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. How did, what is something you felt like, you know, maybe was we can how we could show love and support in an emotional way. Mm-hmm. Maybe how that was something that, you know, looking back, we wished maybe was done differently. Let's right. talk about that. Um, I definitely, like I said, the, the church support, that was where I got most of my emotional support. 
And, you know, I could go to my parents and ask questions and talk to them, but there were times that they were busier with my other sibling, and that's okay. Um, Looking back, I do think that, and they probably pushed us to do this, and we probably pushed back to just do family counseling. I think we tried a session once, and we were just like, we're not doing that again. Mm -hmm. But maybe we should have tried more individual counseling. Mm -hmm. But I was just talking to you about this, that it wasn't... It wasn't a thing to just go to counseling 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this normalized thing. It was this scary, not approachable thing. People just kind of tucked under the covers and didn't talk about that they were going to counseling. Yeah, totally. But I definitely think in the future and if you are struggling with a chronically ill sibling that you maybe should get into counseling and just have somebody to talk to that isn't in your circle that you can talk to 100% openly 100% and sometimes too as parents you know as we're trying our very best to be the best we can it's hard to hear that your other kids are struggling in some way and you feel like you can't be everything for them I think often there are a lot of churches out there that does an amazing job with youth ministry but a professional counselor you know I talk about a lot in my counseling experience having somebody normalize the thoughts and the feelings that I had and that I was scared to say out loud but I could say to them and them saying you're not weird or abnormal or there's nothing wrong with you that you've thought these things um, and then to help process that right um, each person we talked to said they really think that they should have been in counseling that they, should have also been in counseling to deal with their own emotions, their own fears, their own, um, the what ifs, the what does this look like? You know, is my sibling going to be okay? Are they not going to be okay? And then just even the, the, I think a lot of siblings felt it would be selfish if they said, hey, I'm not okay. I'm struggling. I'm not doing well. And so they didn't. They kept that inside. And so if they're able to go to counseling and process those words and those thoughts and those fears, that would maybe be a big help. But I will say when you're in the moment of it, you don't think about thinking of yourself. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, nobody in our family would have thought, oh, well, maybe we should all go talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. You're just worried about how your sister's doing and, you know, what does this look like? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I would definitely recommend that. To anyone. Yeah. And even maybe looking into support groups. Like, right. you know, that's something at the fund that we feel really passionate about. We're, we have fingers crossed, hopeful that all that is some stuff that we're going to be able to do in 2023 and 2024. But looking at some support groups. Um, I know the Good Grief Center is a big one um, that that does that. It's, it is for bereavement, which is different, you know, than what we're talking about right now. But looking into support groups that can really, you can come together and be able to speak about those things in an honest, real way. Um, and so looking into those, maybe that's even that that's not an option in the city you live in, but there's a virtual option. I mean, now, you know, in this post-COVID world, virtual is so real, so big that maybe there's even one in Oklahoma. There's one in Nebraska. But looking into that for your other children that aren't sick. I would definitely agree with that because I feel like no one truly understood because there wasn't really anybody in our community or a group that I mean there were a few people but out of our like circle of people they didn't really understand Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so there wasn't anybody to truly like 
bounce ideas off of bounce like how you're really feeling how do you, do you think we should be feeling about this and things like that so I definitely think a support group which there probably is some now uh would have been helpful mm-hmm mm-hmm and again and again, they kept talking about the isolation, feeling just, you know, pretty alone. Uh, one of the one of the young ladies we talked to, uh, her family would travel really far to go to the hospital. And so obviously that meant one parent traveled, um, you know, with this family. It was the mom that went with the, the chronically ill child. Yeah. And so the other daughter was left at home, you know, with the father and God love fathers. We all love fathers. But especially of a teenage girl that's coming of age. Right. That's very hard. Yeah. There's a lot of things that happen. It's a lot to of emotions. A lot of emotions and changes, you know, that a, a, a young lady really could use her mom in that aspect. And so thank goodness that we have FaceTime nowadays and we have video chat and we have all those ways uh, to be able to do that as well. But just being that realizing that isolation is a real thing um, and what that looks like for them. She was talking about whenever she found herself struggling, uh, that she would find it easier just to go into her room and kind of let it out herself versus talking to people because she didn't want to make it any harder on her parents. Right. Because, and I so see that in you. Just knowing you and as the big sister and the older sister, you know, that you really want to have it together. You don't want to cause more angst or struggles for your mother, even yeah. to this day. But that isn't always the truth. You Absolutely. Know, you as a teenager and a young adult had your own struggles. Um, and so just making sure that we're putting things in place. Right. And uh, Taylor's mama, this is just me saying this, not Taylor. Um, you are amazing. I just want you to know that. But just putting things in place to make sure that those needs are met as well. Absolutely. There's definitely times you can feel alone, even though you have two other siblings at home, but they're dealing with things in different ways. You can feel alone and just go to your room and process those emotions and maybe not the most healthy way, which can lead to other struggles down the road if you don't deal with these emotions at the time. So, yeah, yeah. I thought this I'm going to just kind of read this real quick. It okay. says at a time when children need their parents the most, mine weren't always able to be there. I just had to grow up really fast, which I feel like most siblings of special needs kids or chronically ill kids do. I felt like I had no one there and just overall I felt completely isolated from the world. Kind of like an alien that lives here on earth. No one could relate to me, not my peers or my family. And usually the only people that could were 40 or older. And that's just different. Wow. Yeah. yeah that definitely resonates. Yeah. I would definitely resonate more with adults mm -hmm. and not kids my age and you would feel alone um wow yeah yeah and again like I I know I know this person's parents mm -hmm. and they are unbelievable parents yeah. unbelievable parents but just a real feeling because of what was happening the things that this sibling was having to face and, you know, I will also say the sibling is unreal, one of the most unreal people I've ever met and going to do amazing things in this world. Um, but that was the this person even wrote and said, I know this is hard to read, but it's the truth of just right. that feeling of how much a lot of those 
years of where uh, most teenagers are selfish or, you know, it's about them. They didn't feel like they could be that because there was something so much bigger going on. And so we just need to be aware of that and putting things in place to support that, whether it is counseling, support groups, you know, getting a, a youth intern, youth pastor, um, a mentor, right. a woman at the school, guidance counselor, Letting others be aware to kind of even keep their eye on the sibling Mm -hmm. and be aware of the things that are going on. Um, I definitely know that you have to grow up quickly. And um, I spoke with my siblings about this and they all agreed. And so my youngest sibling just kind of feels like she kind of lost her childhood because she had to grow up. And then there was things we had to assist with our other sibling who is at home. You know, she can't really stand up. She can't do things for herself. So sometimes we would step in and help with that if my parents had to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely feel like I took on the caretaker, but I think that's my personality. And Mm -hmm. maybe that's because of the situation that happened. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really, I wasn't really a teenager, like a selfish teenager, but Mm -hmm. that's okay. Because I don't think I missed out on anything. No. And, and I will say too, I mean, I, you know, I've seen you in numerous roles. You, I, again, I didn't know you before your sister was diagnosed and became sick, but you are amazing in all aspects. And so, you know, whether that or your personality or who you are, whatever else, or all of the above, they've made you into an amazing person, teacher, wife, friend, babysitter, helps with my children, you know, coworker volunteer, all those things. And so, you know, I look at you and think, gosh, she is an amazing person. But there have been some bumps along the road to get to that point. But we all have those bumps. We all have things that are hard in our lives that make us or break us. Right. And, you know, so again, we're in no way, anybody that's listening to this and is thinking, oh, I really messed up. My siblings aren't doing, my other children aren't doing well. That is not what we're saying. No, we're not. We're just trying to tell the realness of what it really is. Yeah. And And offer hope and support with that too, of what that looks like. Right. My siblings and I are all doing just fine. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. What are some struggles, Taylor, that you've experienced due to your sibling um, and what's gone on? Um, I kind of spoke about this earlier, but I definitely think you have to grow up quickly and suddenly. My sister was fine for about 12 years of her life, and then a shift happened, and she just has this chronic illness now, but she lives her days to her fullest. Um, But you have to grow up quickly, and you don't exactly know how to do that yet, but you just kind of figure it out. I feel like as the oldest, I took on the caretaker role, which my siblings maybe didn't like that I was trying to be their mom when I wasn't their mom. Mm -hmm. But my parents were still very involved. They did their absolute best to give us an amazing life when my sibling was in the hospital or going through things. And they do to this day. Um, So they are amazing parents. (laughs) Shout out to you guys. Um, But my siblings would say that they tried to keep it a secret, and that's not the first thing they want to talk about. Mm -hmm. They want to talk about how are they doing, maybe Mm -hmm. not how is your sister. And I said that I would struggle with my siblings not wanting to visit them in the hospital. 
But looking back, that's just not what was working for them. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't them saying, we don't care or we don't support our sister. It just, it was too hard for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe it was good that one of us was able to be there when we could. um, Because that was more helpful for me to be there with Mm -hmm. my mom and my sister and understanding a little more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're somebody that really likes the knowledge aspect. I like the knowledge. I like to know what's going on. Uh I constantly call my mother and ask about what's going on. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's even pre-diagnosis, pre-sickness, that was your personality. Your personality was to glean. I want to know more what's going on in the know. Or nosy, as my sisters (laughs) would call it. Yes. Where your other sisters were more of maybe less is more. Like, I don't need to know everything. Just tell me the important, but I don't need to know everything. I don't need to understand everything. This is hard enough. And I do think some of it is not only different personalities of you and your sisters. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, my sister's still struggling with this. So there was a time when I went off to college and I got married and at times they were like, oh, well, you just kind of left and Mm -hmm. you didn't really have to deal with the day to day, Um, which is true. Mm -hmm. But it was just where I was in my life that I moved on to each next step. But yeah, you deal with it differently and at different ages and developmentally what you're supposed to be like taking on and knowing and. And then personalities, you know, uh, more of a caretaker, more of a leader or a follower. And all of that, I've also learned as a parent, is okay. It doesn't make one, you know, better than the other or, or, you know, but as a parent, you've got to figure out what works best for each, you know. And so even if you pick a counselor, it may not be the best counselor for each of them. Right. It may need to be different ones. It may be that one needs to go weekly. One needs to just have a check-in once a month, once every two months. It may be, um, you know, there's just, it may be that y'all don't need to talk about it every single dinner. Exactly. Because the other ones don't. But you pull the one that wants more knowledge aside and have one-on-one talk with them. And the, the other ones, you don't talk about it as much. Right. And I definitely feel like my parents have navigated that well. Because I do want to know more. And mm-hmm. some of my sisters want to know the like, the minimum. Yeah, they still want to know what's going on, but they don't want to know everything. Yeah, key and that's points, just personality, maybe. key points. Yep, and yep. we're all three, we're all four different. Yeah, but that's what makes us so unique and special. Yeah, yeah, and I know too with with mentoring through the years that when a child is in the hospital for a really really long time, you know that can be a strain definitely on the relationship that the siblings can have, you know, with their parents because they're missing some of those key, you know, whatever it may be. And so just making sure that you're aware of that too. And like I said, times are so different now. You can FaceTime, you can video chat, um, you know, you can check in, you know, whether it's you call in the morning and check in before school or you check in after school or you check in at night. But really doing those things to make sure that you're still engaged as best you can, even on the really hard days. I know that's hard, but or making sure you also put some other people in place to be engaged, whether that's grandparents or friends or like you said, you know, whether it's the parents kind of have to balance one with the sick and one with the ones that are at home, you know, whatever that may look like as well. Um, I also wanted to touch on that, you know, the siblings might feel isolated, but my sister who is has this illness she still feels isolation and Mm -hmm. like no one understands and so there's a whole nother aspect of that that we're trying to understand 
how she's feeling, but we can't understand all the pain and discomfort that she's going through. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they feel isolation and loneliness just as much as we do. Of course. Yeah, for sure. So the next question is, what do you wish others would know about being the sibling of a sick brother or sister? Um, I've said this before, but I think it's that we do care about our sibling and we do want to tell you how they are, but sometimes we want to ask, be asked how we are mm-hmm. or something that's going on in our life. Um, no offense to them or anything, but there's time and place to talk about that. And mm-hmm. I don't feel like it needs to be every time you see the person, mm-hmm. how's your sister doing? Or if you see somebody in the doctor's office and your doctor asks, how's your sister? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's not the exact place to be asking that. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely that. But um, that we don't always know how we feel either. And we don't, sometimes we don't want to talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk on some key points of other things that right. involve just you. Maybe what sport are you playing? Uh-huh. Uh, how's school? Mm-hmm. But then if you want to talk about maybe just ask, hey, do you mind if I ask how your sister's doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. But maybe not every single time mm-hmm. the first thing you say to somebody. Yeah. Don't always lead with it. Right. Because we care and we love them, but we're also a person too. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say that's something I wish people knew. Okay. So one of the things that was shared as well is just to remember that the not sick sibling, brother, sister is their own person. And that they have their own interest and their own loves and dislikes and fears and excitements and all that stuff. And so just to remember that if you are, you know, a, a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, you know, really engage in that. Really find that point of being able to say, you know, how's this sport going? How's the school going? How's this going? And then maybe to even do some things with that to be able to remember. But to remember that they are their own person outside of Johnny's non-sick brother sister Johnny's brother sister that's not sick um, right because that's important to them too especially as they're growing up and finding out who they are absolutely their their dreams and desires all those are still there right it just is got the side of that they also are the brother sister of someone who's who's sick or in the hospital or chronically ill or critically ill. Um, and just like you said, you care deeply. It's absolutely always in the forefront of your mind, but there's a lot of other things in your mind as well, especially as a teenager, a kid and teenager, I think about, they've got a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things going on in the head um, at that time, but yes, you don't want them to feel forgotten or like you don't care Mm -hmm. because I feel like, you know, sometimes we did make my sister feel that way and it's just hard. You don't always know what to do, what to say. Um, So just support your sibling as best as you can that is sick, but vice versa. Have the other sibling support the other sibling. Yeah, yeah. And really, too, just come together as best you can as a family and, you know, your immediate family and then your extended family Mm -hmm. as well, that it's important, y'all all, all, and then community, whatever that looks like. You know, we say it again and again, just do something, whatever it is, do something, provide something, do a meal, um, drop off a little gift, uh, uh, you know, something little. If it's 
financial that that is not something you're able to do, you know, buy something or pay for something, then take them to the playground. Mm -hmm. Take them, you know, on a bike ride. Go on a walk with them. Take them to their sports. Um, Even I, I think about, you know, even now where I get often overwhelmed with the kids, remembering to buy the, you know, pay for the the new sports equipment. How hard would it be to be able to say, you know, I'm going to get yours while I'm at the same time, or just even a reminder, hey, reminder, that sports equipment is due by this day, or you got to sign up by this day. You know, just that it's important that the siblings are able to, as much as possible, still engage in life and do the things that they love and and desire. Because the parents have so many things going on in their head. You know, my mom keeps a whole notebook of her you know, the medicines she takes and her appointments and all of that on top of like all of our schedules when we were younger and still to this day. I mean, you know, your parents are always there. Yeah. Um, And I will say my parents did the best they could possibly do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they did. Absolutely. And still are. They still are doing it. They still are. Your sweet mama has shown up numerous times even for the Four Spence Fund um, because she knows it's something that you love and you're passionate about. Right. And I think that says a lot that she knew how much you loved the fund and your work and what you were doing. And so she engaged too. She came and supported, whether it's drive coolers for us or your mama and your daddy, you know, mm-hmm. drive coolers for us or volunteer or come to an event or um, financially support us, whatever it may be, because they saw how much that meant to you. Right. Um, and so that was important to them, too. And I think that's huge. Absolutely. And that is like one of the main reasons I was drawn to work for you um, a while ago was that your mission is to help with the non-medical needs of critically or chronically ill children, but you also support the sibling. You have mm-hmm. a sibling room. You have books you hand out. On Christmas, you don't just give the toy to the child who's in the hospital. You make sure the siblings are included. Mm-hmm. And so that just tugged at my heartstring, and it was somewhere I knew I wanted to support and continue supporting. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the sister and the daughter that you are. Um, I know that your family is so blessed and thankful to have you in their life. Thank you for the friend you are to me, the friend you are to the fund, the friend you are to my children. My children are um, truly obsessed with you. And so (laughs) um, I'm so thankful for everything you are to our family of the fund and to your own. So thanks for sharing your heart. I know that these questions might have been hard to really think through and process through and um, difficult for you and your siblings to answer. And, um, and I think you even said, I think it's okay for me to share this. It was hard for your mom to read even some of the things that you wrote down. Um, And like we said, I know how amazing that your mother is, but you know, I jokingly say that, you know, should I be saving money for college or for my kids to go to counseling one day? Because I'm messing up as a parent. I'm doing the very best I can, but I'm messing up. We can't be everything for them. And so that's why it's important to put other things into place because we can't be everything. And so um, I just I know that your your mother is really amazing. And all of these siblings that wrote us notes Thank you. Yes, thank you. And their and their parents are amazing. Yeah, I know all of their parents. I know them personally, and uh, they're amazing parents. And um, you know, in life, we can't guarantee that that our children are not going to have um, some things that they have to deal with later right. in life. And um, even when we do the best we can, it just happens that when you are the sibling of a chronically ill or critically ill child or 
critically ill brother or sister that you may have a few more things that you've got to process through and work through. But with you especially, it's made you stronger. It's made you more empathetic. It's made you more of a caretaker. It's made you a better teacher, volunteer, sister, all those things. So, um, you know, I see the good in that. So thank Thank you for being with us and thank you for sharing with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. We hope that this podcast is a resource for you and a source of support. Whether you are facing illness in your own family or want to walk beside other families dealing with childhood illness, we want the stories, wisdom, and knowledge shared to give you hope. Episodes will be released bi-weekly, so be sure to subscribe today.